0: good evening evening. it is good to have this number back out with us for our second half of our worship service this evening let's turn to Romans chapter 12 Romans chapter 12 we're going to begin reading in the ninth verse the the topic is behave like Christ or how do we how are we as people today to be pleasing in the eyes of God well that's an easy question well that's a, a full of answers question but there's only one there's only one that's true to god's word and that's to behave like his son we also think of first uh, john chapter one verse seven at the idea of walking this earth as god himself would walk walking in the light that being god as he himself is in the light again being god and having fellowship with one another having fellowship with ourselves and fellowship with god and the blood of jesus christ god's son cleanses us a small Unrighteousness for all sin. We look at Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. You might ask yourself, well, how do I do that? How do I walk in light? Does that mean go out there in the sunshine and walking around and get a tan? It is not what that says. It is to, for us to become children of light. Paul, in many of his writings, he told those churches to imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ, as he told the church in Corinth. He also tells the church in Rome uh, to mimic me or imitate me. Here in Romans chapter 12, Paul continues that writing on and he's telling them then in the first century and us today as well to behave like a Christian or to behave or mimic Jesus Christ. Keep in mind, Christ came to this earth. Christ came to live out a perfect example of a person. And when I say a person the person who we should be, for he was obedient to his Father. We learn that through his scriptures and through his encouragement, through his disciples and through his apostles. We see the many examples and many wonderful examples in the way that we should conduct ourselves in our everyday walk of life. We ended this morning's sermon with the idea of love, for that love will cover that multitude of sins. We're going to carry that list on this evening. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 let love be without hypocrisy abhor what is evil cling to what is good be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving deference to one another a preference excuse me preference to one another not lagging in diligence fervent in spirit serving the lord rejoicing in hope patient in tribulation continuing steadfastly in prayer distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in doing so, you will heat coals of fire on his head. Do not, be, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now let's stop there and move back to Romans chapter 9. Listen to what Paul is teaching. We read the whole thing to get the context. Now we're, as usual we're going to break it down. Romans 12 verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. What wonderful advice if we could just take verse 9 and run with it. To abhor what is evil. we think of something that's evil as just horrible. We think of evil as something that's just out there, right? Killing someone, we would think that would be evil. Doing someone wrong, we would consider that evil. But we do realize, in God's eyes, anything sinful is evil. Anything that is displeasing in His eyes is evil. So when we think of evil, we think of... As as human beings, we tend to put the degree of it. We, We... we, we, we see that murder would be way worse than lying. And how many folks lie in their everyday walk of life? We see it everywhere. We hear it everywhere. Well, God sees that sin because it's a sin to lie. God sees that sin just as bad as going out murdering somebody. Because sin is sin. And God does not put the degree of it on. As human beings, we do. Well, we cannot see it that way. We need to abhor those things that are displeasing in the eyes of God. Those things that are evil orchestrated from the devil. When we walk in those things orchestrated from the devil, guess who we become partakers with? The devil. Let's, again, tell the devil we want nothing to do with him. Whenever Christ was tempted, what did he tell him? Get behind me, Satan. He says, I'm only going to worship my heavenly father and that's it. That needs to be our thinking of well to abhor what is evil. Well, verse nine says, "Let love be without hypocrisy." Do we hold one another's love up other than more than one another? I ask that question. This is what I mean. Do you show more love to one than rather the other? I can remember back in, back in school when, when, I don't know if y'all had cliques in your school. A clique was a group of folks and they hung out with one another. That's all they hung out with. And if you went, wasn't in their clique, they would have nothing to do with you. That's, that was high school, right? Now, as adults, as people in God's church or Christ's church, we can't have this circles, if you will. There's one church. There's one faith. There is one body. Folks, we're the body. For the body of Christ. There is one God, one baptism, one faith. We know these things of one, not multiples, not divisions, as we are also learning in 1 Corinthians that there were divisions happening. We need to cast these divisions out. Let love be without hypocrisy. The same love you show for one brother or sister in Christ, you show that same love for another brother or sister in Christ. We can't be that respecter of persons for God Himself. Is not a respecter of persons. Cling to what is good. The word "cling," the, the, a picture comes comes to mind. It's a small child hanging on to his or her mother in a group of strangers. That child will grab a hold to that shoulder or arm or however that mother is holding it, and and just hanging on, just bearing her head off into the shoulders. It's, like, like if, if I can't see you, you can't see me. That's, that's my mind when it comes to cling. Cling to what is good. The rich young rooter had it close. Whenever he called Jesus Christ good, he had it close. He should have called God good, because that's what our Lord and Savior called good, did he not? He called God good. There's only one good, and that's our Heavenly Father. Cling to what is good. Have that same clinging motion of that of that toddler hanging on to his mother or her mother and just holding on for dear life. That needs to be us and God. Clinging on to Him. Having that fellowship with Him. Just like 1 John 1.7. To walk in the light as He is in the light. First off, we need to recognize or understand how God Himself is light. We see many of the characteristics of God in His Word. We need to cling to Him. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Be kindly affectionate to one another. That affection... We can go right back to that mother's affection for that child, hanging on to them. Do we have that type of affection for our brothers and sisters in Christ? Because our Lord and Savior did. Whenever He looked at those disciples, and He told them, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Can Christ call us His friend tonight? I seriously hope that Christ can continue to call us His friend in the days to come. Because once we become separated from our Heavenly Father, once we become separated from Jesus our Lord, He can no longer call us friends, but enemy. We need to take notice of that whenever we have affection for one another. When we have that love that we should have for our brothers and sisters in Christ, the same love that Jesus Christ Himself had for us. To become aware of the status of our neighbors. To love our neighbors just as we would have ourselves loved. Of course, that's the golden rule. Treat others how you would want to be treated. In honor, giving preference to one another. We would so much rather see this building slap full of people. I would. I would see this building just pouring at the gills with people interesting what God would have them to do but unfortunately the ways of the world overtake people and they're overcome with sin and Satan has the blinders on them. it seems like this day and age that uh, that uh, the borders of the kingdom or the church seems to be diminishing It's up to us as Christians to go out there and expand that border. Keep in mind, Christ isn't coming back to expound those borders or to make the church grow or to encourage someone to come out of their sins and come to Him. He is not coming back to do that. He is coming back to reclaim those who are His. And He's coming. We've been told it's it's in the twinkling of an eye. It's like a thief in a night. We don't know when He's coming, and it's going to be so fast. Again, are we ready? Are we behaving like a Christian? Are we clinging to God Himself through His Word? Are we loving our brothers and sisters? Are we loving those individuals who are lost? That's another wonderful example of love. Keep in mind Christ's ministry, once He began it, When he was walking this earth as a human being, him being God, the Son, teaching the kingdom of God, teaching the church, teaching what it is to be favorable in the eyes of God, he taught that to guess whom? The lost. That's whom he taught it to. Because no one was saved yet. His blood had yet to be shed yet. Faithful obedience to his instructions had yet to be observed. He was teaching to the lost. He died for while we were yet sinners, while we were yet lost. But thankfully, by our faithful observance to those instructions and those folks previous to us, our brothers and sisters in Christ, way back when, all the way to the first century, have behaved like Christ or hopefully continually behaving like Christ. That needs to be our mission. That needs to be our goal. That needs to be our mindset, just like Colossians chapter 3 in the first three verses. To set our minds on heavenly things, not on things of the earth. To set our minds and our goals up in heaven where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And whenever He appears, that being Christ, when He appears, who is our life? Do we resemble Christ? Are we behaving like Christ? Then we shall also appear with him in glory. And that's Colossians 3, verse 4. I want us to to take notice of something. Let's make sure we continue behaving like a Christian. In verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. All right, here we go. Not lagging in diligence in diligence. Well, first off, let's look at the word diligence. you ever started a task and was hesitant to finish it? Something got distracted. Well, oh, I have many times. I've started something so many times and I have not yet to finish it. Well, that cannot happen in our spirituality. That cannot ha- ha- happen in our service to God or it should not happen. Here's our, here's our example of lagging in diligence. Just stop coming to church. Just stop Behaving like a Christian or behaving like Christ or behaving like a child of God. Stop walking in the light. Stop partaking of the devil. Start sinning real, uh, regularly. Abiding in sin. No longer abiding in Christ. Lagging in diligence. Diligence means I'm going to set my goal and nothing's going to come in between me. Lagging in that diligence means you fell by the wayside and, and that's where you are. Lagging. Slow. In the ditch. Not lagging in diligence. And then fervent in spirit. We heard fervent this morning. The idea of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Like I said, every time I see that word fervent, I think of that furnace. How is our spirit? Well, if we're lagging in diligence, if we're slow to reach the goal, if we're falling by the wayside, if we're behaving as the world and our Spiritual walk, we're not walking in a spiritual manner, are we? We're walking with the devil. We're not walking with Jesus Christ. Christ, does he not tell his disciples, if you seek to come where I am, if you want to be there, remember the word seek. Remember me throwing the keys off in the corner and saying, well, if I'm going to drive home, I've got to go seek my keys. If I don't find them, I'm not going home. So I had to go seek them. I found them put them in my pocket, and I drove home that night. We need to seek God. In seeking God, we cannot be lagging in our diligence. We've got to have that fervent spirit. Here's a wonderful example of the church having a fervent spirit. Turn with me to Acts. 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 Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Now, previous to this, of course, Peter gave his sermon. That wonderful sermon that convinced those Jews that they had just killed the Son of God with lawless hands. Actually, he says that in verse 23. And then, of course, in uh, verse 37, they were, of course, cut to the heart. And they asked that question, how shall we get rid of this sin? Peter told them, uh, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And of, and of course, in verse 39, he says, this promise is to you and to your children. And you notice this, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord, God our, the Lord our God will call. That don't mean a telephone That means him giving his gospel, sending it out into the world, and those responding to it. All right, many did. Notice 3,000 was immersed or baptized for the remission of their sins. And after they were done so, look at the church with this fervent spirit in verse 46. So continuing daily with one, it's not multiple accord, it's one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We see the 3,000 in uh, verse 41 after being convinced from Peter's sermon. So they continued daily in the temple breaking bread from house to house. What are they doing? They're preaching the gospel. They're preaching repentance of so remission of sins, or a baptism for the remission of sins. They're preaching the, the kingdom of God. They're encouraging people to turn away from their sins. Uh, that being said, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, that's an old fire church if I ain't ever seen one. The church was fervent, In spirit in Acts chapter 2 in verse 46 and 47. They was ready for the coming of the Lord. They was ready for His his return. What happened to the fire? My mind was reminded of that last night. When the fire died out, somebody put a little bit more, more wood on there, but guess what? It was just embers. It was just embers is all it was. Right? So something had to happen for it to, to, to be rekindled. A little wind was put onto it. I used a plate. Use a little plate. Get a little wind going there, and them embers, embers turn bright, get hot, get hot, and all of a sudden, woof, the fire come back, and it burned on through. So what happened to the fire in the church? What happened? Has that, the, the fire has diminished The fire has seemed like it's dwindling. It's like those little embers. Something needs to happen to rekindle that fire. Because folks, they was on fire. Folks was turning to the church. Folks was turning to God. We need to have that fervent type of spirit today to be showing that affection for those who are lost. We made that example this morning in Bible class. The idea of it's easier to talk to someone who has been saved and is erring than it is to talk to someone and encourage them to come to God in the first place. But guess what? Matthew 18, verses 28. My dyslexia kicks in. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20 is the Great Commission. And we have been commissioned or commanded to go out into the world Preach the gospel, create disciples, teaching them all the things that Christ has commanded us. And guess what? He will be with us. He will be with us until the ends of the age. What he's saying there, I'll be with you until I come again. Look over again Colossians 3 and verse 4. Look over that again. What does it say? When Christ, who is our life, appears. Right? Right? whenever we look like Christ, when we have these qualities, when our spirit is like Shadrach and Ab- Meshach and Abednego's fiery furnace, hot. Our destination is heaven or it should be. And we ain't going to let nothing come in between us, whether it be the world or anything else. Do we have that fervent spirit? I hope so. Serving the Lord, the last three verses, the verse, the, uh, last three words of verse eleven. Serving the Lord. How do we serve the Lord? How do you serve the Lord tomorrow? Can we do that? We certainly can. We had better. We had better serve the Lord tomorrow. So how do we do that? We're not going to assemble. We're not going to have a Bible class. We're not going to have a worship service tomorrow, being Monday. So how do we do that? Keep His commandments. Keep His commandments. When we keep His commandments, we abide in His love, just as Jesus Christ kept His Father's commandments and abided in His love. That's how we serve God. So when we keep His commandments, that's the general answer, right? We don't abide in the world. Or as we don't have to live in the world now, but not abide in it. When I say abide in it, I mean we're going to stay in Christ's love. We're going to stay in His commandments or do His commandments. Yeah, we got to be here. Remember the parable of the wheat and the tares? Remember that parable? Well, that parable, we got to be here, don't we? Those, those, those wheat have to be with those tares. And I seriously hope there are no tares in here tonight with that representation of wheat and tares. The wheat was planted there by the master, the tares just, they, they're just there. Let's make sure we're wheat in that parable. But on, on Judgment Day or that day of reaping, The reapers will separate the wheat and the tares. So let's make sure we're serving the Lord in verse 11 and not serving the world. Because if we're serving the world, the prince of the power of the air, that being the devil, will overcome you and he will put the blinders on you. Have nothing to do with him. Because no one in their right mind would have Satan as their father. Because he can't offer us one thing. Not one thing in eternity. Verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. I had James marked. Let's see if it's still there. I do. Right there. Turn with me to James chapter 1. James says it wonderfully. Whenever he says... We're going to fall into trials. Stuff's going to happen. Your faith is going to be tested and your patience is definitely going to be tried. Notice what old James says in chapter 1 starting in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Well, that kind of mimics what Paul's writing in Romans chapter 12. Rejoicing hope, patient in tribulation. All right. Knowing that the testing of your faith Produces patience. Well, patient in tribulation. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Remember the word wisdom. Having knowledge and putting it into action in your life. Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally, without reproach, and it will be given to him. But... Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James says it perfectly what Paul is getting here. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. The tribulation that we go through, the hardships, the, 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 the bad times. You you think as a, my, uh, this is an example. A small child dies in a family and says, why did God do that? He didn't. He didn't. That was Satan. But how can you say that? He did. Go back to Adam and Eve. Go all the way back to the beginning. Bad things happen to good people because of a three-letter word. S I N. Sin. But we have a hope as a child of God. As we have been immersed, as we have put Christ on, as we have a, an idea of that promise that is everlasting life, everlasting life with our Heavenly Father in heaven. Rejoice in hope. When you think about heaven, you think about your lifestyle that you're living. Do you rejoice as you're obedient to God? And you, we're going to fall short. We're going to sin. I'll continue to say that almost every lesson. When we sin, when we fall short, we have an escape. We have a way out as a child of God. We repent of those things that are displeasing in the eyes of God. And of course, we confess those sins, whether it be public or even private. We confess it to, to our peers, the ones who we, are, who we wronged, or even to God if it's private. But he tells us we've got to confess those sins And we pray. We pray to our Heavenly Father that He will forgive us of those sins. And guess what? He's a loving Father. Remember the prodigal son's father? He was looking a great way off, waiting for his son to come back. That's God when we fall short. He wants us to come back. He's not, well, that's it. Once and you're done. No, that's not God. God wants you to come back. His desire is that no one will be lost. But unfortunately, the disobedient, iniquities, and wickedness of men will tie his hands and so many folks will find that wide and broad gate that leads to destruction. So let's rejoice in our hope. Let's rejoice, rejoice in that hope because Christ gave his life to have that opportunity. He did. Without that sacrifice upon that cross, we would have no hope. Christ made it effective or an opportunity continuing steadfastly in prayer. Again, our example there is Christ. He had a continual mind state of prayer. He had a continual mind state of connection to his heavenly father until one instant in his life. When he took your sins on, when he took my sins on, and he took the sins on on the entire world. Keep in mind, God and sin can't dwell in the same place. What did Jesus Christ say right before He gave up the ghost? Right before He breathed His last, He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because of our sins. That was the one thing He was praying for in the garden for that cup to be passed. He had never experienced a separation from God. He had that continual mind state of prayer which is our encouragement. Continuing steadfastly in prayer, what's the word "continuing" mean? It means never-ending. My representation would be those who are married or wedding ring. It's it's a it's a it's, it's a continuation. It's just I'm holding mine up, by the way. Those who can't see, can you see where it ends and where it begins? I can't. I can't tell. Cause it doesn't have one. It's a complete circle. That's a continuation. So when we continue in God's Word, it's, of course, we had a beginning, but now we're going to continue on. That beginning was our baptism. That continuing was believing that Jesus is the Son of God, being immersed for the remission of our sins, of course, repenting of our sins, and, of course, confessing that He is the Son of God. Hearing, of course, believing the Word. Not in that order. And then continuing steadfastly in our spiritual walk. How many of us ever walked a pretty good long distance and had to take a break? I have. I, I can't walk nowhere near as long as I, as far as I used to. I had to stop and take a break. Jesus gave us a wonderful example of spiritual rest. Remember in the boat when the sea was all tempestuous. Guess what Christ was doing? I could just boy, he could sleep. I tell you, he'd probably sleep as good as Melissa can. When she goes to sleep, she is out. That's how Jesus was. He was in that boat. Could you imagine that sea was all over the place, and he's down there sleeping. And those folks come down there and say, what are you doing? Here we are perishing, and you're sleeping. Oh, what would he tell them? Oh, ye of little faith. He went up and spoke the words, and the sea was calm. Wow continuing steadfastly in our prayer. That is an attribute of a Christian. In verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. The needs of the saints. Now this was more beneficial to the first century. Our example there also was in Acts. Uh, Where did it go? Yeah, uh, Acts, the giving part is in verse 45. The context is going to start in 42. Right after the 3,000 souls were added to them, and they counted, they they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Needs, there was a need that was there. What was the need? You might say, wait a minute. They did not prepare for a continuing stay for the Passover. They prepared for how many of it, Two, three, four days journey. to stay as long as Passover got up and, and they had enough provision to stay two or three days back home if you will. They stayed longer and they were unprepared. They run out of provisions. So we see those who had possession, they sold it. They sold it and gave need to the saints. Keep in mind, these were Christians. These were your brothers and sisters in Christ in the first century. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Just think. These were new Christians. These were folks who had newly been baptized for the remission of their sins. Brand new babes in Christ. Think of this Well, I can't help you. I I can't help you. I can't sell all this I have and give to you. Then I won't have none. Imagine if that had happened. I've said this many times and I'll continue to say it. It is so easy to turn someone's spirituality off just like a light switch with that harsh act of not giving, they gave. They showed that love. They was worried about their brothers and sisters, and they gave unto them the needs. It was hospi- given to our hospitality, which is the rest of verse thirteen. Given to hospitality, and verse fourteen. I'm going to run out of time. Verse fourteen is the hard. Is one of the hard ones. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Someone who's giving you a hard time. Someone who is doing bad things unto you. Can't do them back. Can't repay evil for evil as we're not going to have time to get down here in verse 17. 14 is telling us, pray for them. Bless bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Told you that's going to be difficult. Those folks who do harmful things to us. We can't wish bad things for them. We just wish for them to change their ways and turn to God. And in verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. When someone loses a loved one, we share their pain. Especially in the church. We share their pain. We share their joy too. When someone turns away from their sins, we do it every single time. They're rejoicing in heaven and there's rejoicing upon earth with that act of someone turning away from their sins, that short walk with Satan, coming back to God, that is a rejoicing act. But there is going to be hard times in the church. We're going to have... Friends and family to lose, that, that, to be lost, and that means to, to, to die and, and pass on. And we're going to feel that loss. We're going to feel that absence. And as a church, we're going to come together and strengthen one another up. And it's happened so many times. We share our pain, we share our rejoicing. And verse 16 be of the same mind toward one another, the same mind, same mouth to glorify God. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Let me ask you this can you orchestrate something that you can save souls? That doesn't belong to us, does it? A person cannot orchestrate that, only God. God gave us our souls, and He has the power to save those souls. He does. And he's orchestrated his plan of salvation. And it's portrayed right here in his instruction manual, if you will, for human beings. Are we following it? Are we we obeying his word? Or are we inserting our own opinion? Do not be wise in your own opinion thinking, well, I can do this better than God ever thought about. Huh? No, you can't. Because your opinion can't save you. God's word can. Remember what Christ said. It said it in John eight thirty two, You shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. Free from your sins. If you know and understand the truth, we're going to be obedient to it because we're trying to behave like Christians or we should be trying to behave like Christians. Now, are you doing that tonight? I told you I was going to run out of time. I've got more to say, but I'm going to have to stop. I want to encourage something. I want to encourage one thing. If you take anything from this lesson, behave like Christ. Behave like God himself. For Christ showed us how to behave. And even Paul's example of who he used to be. And post his conversion. Not on the road to Damascus. After his baptism. Post that in his life. He gave all that he had. Even when he was persecuting Christians. He thought he was doing the will of God. But after baptism. After him receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. He put his... Best put forward to serve God. Is that us tonight? I seriously hope so. Because there's a lot of work in this world that needs to be done before we leave or, or check out. I want to encourage this again. Behave like Christ. He gave His all to serve His Heavenly Father. We need to give it all as well. Everything that we have, every talent, every gift, every motivation that we have needs to be to glorify God. Because as we humble ourselves with that thought, we will be exalted on judgment day. It's way better to be exalted on judgment day than to be humbled on judgment day. So therefore, serve God, behave like a Christian, and have nothing to do with the devil. But have you taken that short walk with the devil? Have you succumbed to his to his to his snares and to his wiles? We can get out of that sad state right now. We can walk out of those doors being saved. Does that need to happen tonight? Why don't we go from being lost to being saved, to to be found from dead to alive as we stand, as we sing the song of invitation.